can turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. If I can get that on the back walls, please. 2 Peter chapter 3. And we will be closing out our book study in the book of 2 Peter tonight. Very short book study. It's only three chapters. We've taken, we've taken one chapter a night. And so here we are. We're in the last chapter in 2 Peter chapter 3. Now while you're turning there, let me just review, catch us up to speed a little bit for those who are just entering our Bible study. We've been going through this book, 2 Peter. It's, been, uh, it's an amazing book, very in-depth book, written by Peter. Peter was a close disciple of Jesus Christ, basically one of his top three guys. Uh, Peter, James, and John uh, were Jesus' closest three buddies of his twelve disciples. And Peter, that Peter, that same Peter who denied Jesus as Lord... Uh, when the, remember when the rooster crowed and Peter had denied even knowing Jesus as his friend? He wanted to distance himself. That same Peter who then was filled up with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and preached the first gospel message. 3,000 people got saved. That Peter, that Peter here is writing this letter to a few different churches. No, no doubt this letter was probably circulated around to a few different churches. They all had an opportunity to read it. And isn't it an amazing thing that we, 2,000 years later get to read this same letter, peeking in on somebody's mail, all right, which is, I think, illegal. So don't do it now, but it's fine now. This is scripture. So we can peek in on Peter's letter here to these different churches. And this is the final concluding chapter we see. Now, I've been talking a lot about spiritual revival, spiritual revival, where we just, you know, my hope is just to see America, especially our nation, Just repent and turn from their sin and come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we need. That's what we need not only in our neighborhoods and our communities, but just as a nation as a whole. And this 2020, man, what a year. What a year this has been. It's had its ups and downs, mostly downs, probably 99% downs, a couple percentages of ups, hopefully, in your individual lives. But this year has been a very challenging year. Um, But I still see the Lord moving. I still know that the Lord is working. Just because you can't always visibly see the hand of God moving doesn't mean that He isn't moving. Okay, that's a good general principle for our lives in general. A lot of the time we feel the Lord absent. We feel the Lord uh, not really near or not really close. Lord, where are you? Are you moving in my life? What are you doing? But just because you can't see the visible hand of God moving in your life doesn't mean that the Lord isn't moving and working behind the scenes, orchestrating your life. So trust the Lord. Wait patiently on the Lord. And so I'm confident that in, the, in this challenging year, the Lord has still been moving. The Lord is still working. The Lord is still doing wonderful things. I'll give you an example. Back in April, we usually have Easter at Cornerstone here, and you know, roughly 15,000 people will be here over eight services. And my dad will teach the message, and he'll preach the gospel message, because what else do you teach on Easter other than that Jesus rose again and wants a relationship with you? And because Jesus lives, you also can live. So my dad, he'll give the gospel message, and thousands of, or hundreds of people usually Roughly, I think, two to three hundred people over those eight services have come forward after, after Dad gives the altar call. Hundreds of people come forward, and it's an amazing thing in person to witness that. When you see hundreds of people walk forward saying, I want to follow Jesus, and you get to visibly witness that. It's an amazing thing. So COVID happens, and Easter, 
is, was somewhere, I think, early mid-April this year. And so, you know, we as, as the leadership team here at the church, we're like, what are, what are we going to do? Are we just going to cancel Easter services? Like, how, how is this going to look? What should we do? And so we decided to still have Easter, but it was all going to be online. So it was Easter at Cornerstone, online only. And it was super, we were super bummed because we weren't going to be able to visibly witness hundreds of people make a decision to follow Christ. So we had services online. And this is just to show you that what we think is a discouraging time or a discouraging season, we were super bummed about it. The Lord is still doing wonderful things because over those online services, we had instead of an altar call where people could visibly, uh, physically walk up and make a decision, we, we instead said, hey, if you, after this, hearing this teaching online, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, you prayed that prayer with Pastor Gary, then just text us. I have decided. Text us. Guys, we got 1,067 texts in one day. Because that's what the Lord's doing. You know, what we think is limiting, okay, God sees the things that we see as limiting, and He blows through the wall, and He does something amazing and powerful. So in this challenging season of COVID, you better believe that what we see as, in our limited, finite perspectives, that God is still powerfully moving, that God is still powerfully working, that God is orchestrating time according to His plan and purposes, so that His ultimate will can be and will be fulfilled. In our personal, individual lives, us corporately as a church, us as a nation, America, who desperately needs to experience spiritual revival, and us as, as a world, as a globe. God created it. He knows us all individually. The Bible says He knows every hair that's on our heads. Some that's more than others. But the Lord is very acquainted with who you are and what is going on in our world. He's very interested in what's happening. And He's in control. So all that to say, I've been really big on, man, the Lord is going to use these challenging times. We're calling COVID-19 or whatever you want to call it. This challenging year. God is going to use this year. And I've already seen Him doing it. He's doing amazing th- things throughout our nation. And I believe, and I've, I've said this Uh, every week as we've been through this study that the Lord can and will use the young adult generation, our group, to bring about that spiritual revival. Because the Lord just wants a few committed hearts that are all in for Jesus Christ saying, I am all in, Lord. And He can take a few and He can do mighty things. So I've been all up on this this theme of spiritual revival But what I don't want us to do is to get so caught up in the clouds and and, and vision of, oh, the Lord's going to do all this this amazing stuff and spark spiritual revival throughout the nation. I don't want us to get all caught up in in the clouds and and be, you know, all kind of just uh, ungrounded in, in what we believe. Because I think that the thing that sparks spiritual revival is when we as believers know what we believe. When we as believers know the Word. When we as believers are grounded and rooted in the faith, we've got to be grounded and rooted in our faith and in Scripture, in our relationship with Jesus, so that we're rooted, so that we're strong and firm in the faith, before then we can go out and attempt to make disciples of all nations, the Bible says. Make disciples of all nations. So I've got to first know what I believe, and I've got to first be grounded in the faith, know Scripture, 
uh, be rooted in Christ, be a follower, an all-out disciple of Jesus, before then I go and make disciples myself. So this is why I wanted to take us through 2 Peter, because Peter, he talks about three different ingredients that keep us rooted and grounded. Three different ingredients. The first ingredient we looked at, uh, week number one, was growth. Peter says, listen, if you want to be rooted and grounded in the faith, then you've got to continue to press on in the faith. You've got to continue to grow. Build upon your faith. Add to your faith. Supplement your faith. You know how you supplement your exercise with maybe some protein or some carbs, whatever? You've got to supplement your faith too. Supplement your faith with reading Scripture and with fellowshipping with other believers and with persevering and, and, and loving and being kind to other people. So this is what Peter talks about. You've got to continue to grow if you want to be rooted. And then he also uses the word, uh, he, he talks about discernment. In chapter 2, he says, if you want to continue to be rooted and, and, and be firm in the faith, then you got to be able to develop discernment in your life. And last week, we talked about how to develop spiritual discernment. Discernment is just being able to tell the difference between biblical truth and biblical error. Because Peter says, in our day, there's going to be a lot of false teachers that rise up. And guys, man, you guys know this. If you're on social media or you just turn on the news... Man, there are so many different voices and opinions telling you, here's what you should believe and here's the truth. And it's so confusing nowadays to be able to discern what is really truth? What is actually going on here? And before we just decide to jump on any bandwagon uh, or any movement or get behind any kind of organization or even just straight up believe any pastor that you see on social media or TV, Okay, we've got to know our Bibles, and we've got to be discerning people who, who know Scripture well enough to say, hey, that doesn't line up with Scripture. Hey, what that person said or what that person believes, what this organization supports or believes, that doesn't match up with what I'm seeing in the Bible. So we talked about how to develop spiritual discernment, and one of those points was to know the Word. And when you know the Word... You, know, you then are able to easily recognize when something that's counter to the Word shows up. And so discernment is one of the key ways to stay rooted and grounded in the faith. And so we've got to ask the Lord, Lord, give me discernment. Give me discernment for these times where truth is being shouted from all different directions, but they all contradict each other. So I, I can't tell what is actually true and what's actually false, Lord. Give me discernment. Discernment, that was the second ingredient to staying grounded in the faith. We're going to look at the third and final ingredient that Peter talks about tonight. So let's get started in our Bible study. Why don't you read with me in chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Let's read the first nine verses together. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1, Peter says this, Beloved, I love how he, he, he talks to this church and he refers to them as Beloved. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, or this second letter, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of Jesus' coming? For since the fathers fell asleep... All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, 
that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's pray. Lord, we start by committing our Bible study to you. I pray that you would help us discern what Peter is talking about here, that you would give us just a, a fresh and focused mind as we now attempt to study your word, Lord. May we apply it to our lives. Thank you for this opportunity where we get to get together as brothers and sisters and read the Bible. Such an amazing thing, Lord. So thank you for this opportunity. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. So what's Peter getting at here? Well, Peter's main theme and main topic in this final chapter of this letter is the coming day of the Lord. The coming day of the Lord. How many of you have heard that phrase, or maybe just, it's, it's usually called in the Bible, the day of the Lord? How many of you heard it by show of hands? Okay, even in the Bible, uh, it sometimes just refers to the coming day of the Lord as that day. So when the people uh, in Jesus' day, when they would read the Old Testament and they saw when a prophet or an author of Scripture, they would say that day, they knew exactly what he was talking about. That day. It's referring to the coming day of the Lord or just the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord is still yet to happen. The day of the Lord refers to events that take place at the end of history. All right? It's a day and a time where God personally intervenes in history and when God's purpose and plan for mankind and the world all finally come to fulfillment. So the coming day of the Lord basically leads to the end of the world as we know it. And Hollywood's been obsessed with this topic and have made a ton of movies about this, um, like The Day of Tomorrow with Jake Gyllenhaal, a a personal good friend of mine, um, of course. Uh, The Day of Tomorrow is is one of those apocalyptic movies. Uh, War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. I'm getting uh, dinner with Tom tomorrow. Um, But that's an apocalyptic movie that Hollywood has made, War of the Worlds. Another movie is Armageddon, Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, two great friends of mine. Another apocalyptic end of the world kind of movie is Independence Day with Will Smith. Now, these are all pretty cool movies, i got to admit. I, I, I like these movies. They're, they're pretty cool movies. And I forgot to say Will Smith, great friend of mine. But these are all these kind of movies that Hollywood's been obsessed with. And they've been, you know, and, and people o- over centuries have been obsessed with the, the end of the world. The end of the world. When is the world going to end and how is it going to look? All right, and unlike all these different sci-fi movies where usually they portray the end of the world like some kind of alien invasion, all right? And humanity has to fend off this alien invasion to survive and, and continue the world. All right, unlike that, okay, the Bible doesn't speak of these alien invasions, but the Bible does describe to us a little bit about what that time will look like, about the end of the world, and it's called the day of the Lord. And Peter here, he talks about it. He references 
the day of the Lord uh, about four times just in this chapter. The coming day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. Uh, he references the promise of His coming. So Peter here, he talks about this day of the Lord. So what, how, uh, how does Peter describe this day, this day of the Lord where, where Jesus is going to come back? So that's where I want to start. Firstly, Jesus, uh, Peter talks about the coming day of the Lord referencing Jesus' return. And it's in verse 3 and verse 4. So here's what this day of the Lord is going to look like. He, he gives us a little bit of descriptions here. In verse 3, he says, Knowing this first, scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of Jesus' coming? Where is the promise of Jesus' coming? All right, it says in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, that immediately after Jesus rose from the dead, he spent 40 days here on earth, um, after he rose from the dead, proving to his followers who he was. Then the Bible says that he ascended back into heaven. And when he ascended back into heaven, the Bible says that his disciples watched as he descended up into heaven, and they just continually gazed as the Lord rose back up into heaven. And the Bible then says that two angels appear, and they tell the disciples, why do you continue to gaze up into heaven? Because know that Jesus will return back to the earth the same way that he left. This is what the Bible tells us. In Matthew 16, 27, Jesus said this, For the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and then He will repay each person according to what He has done. So what is the coming day of the Lord? Well, it speaks about an event where Jesus, this isn't the rapture, okay, the rapture is when the church goes up to Jesus, but the coming day of the Lord speaks about a time when Jesus is going to physically return back to the earth. This is what Peter talks about. Jesus is going to return. Another characteristic that he uses to describe the coming day of the Lord, he says that it will come like a thief. It will come like a thief. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So the Bible says that the day of the Lord will be sudden. Okay, when it says that it's going to come like a thief in the night, it's talking about suddenly, unexpectedly. And that's why it uses the term thief. A thief comes unexpectedly, okay? A thief, you'd be, you'd be the stupidest thief if you came. You said, hey, Jim, hey, my name, my name is Steve. Um, I'm a burglar, okay? I'm a, I'm a thief. Uh, I'm a robber. Uh, just so you know, around 3 a.m. tomorrow morning, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to steal all your stuff. So if you wouldn't mind just leaving the doors unlocked for me, that would be great, okay? No, a, a, a thief doesn't do that. A thief comes unexpectedly. A thief comes suddenly, so the day of the Lord will be. Jesus comes again unexpectedly. No one knows. And this is actually what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Comparing Scripture with Scripture here, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven. Only the Father knows. So you too, you must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming again. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So the coming day of the Lord, coming like a thief in the night. Thirdly, Peter describes that the coming day of the Lord is when God judges the ungodly. Okay, a lot of time when we breeze through Scripture and we hear the day of the Lord, we say, oh, this is an amazing time. Okay, this is a scary time. 
Okay, for believers, it's all good. But for the ungodly, for those who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this day is a day of God's judgment where all evil will be punished. You know, you ask, well, why doesn't God deal with all the evil and unjust uh, here that's happening on earth? All of the violence and murder and rape. Where is the Lord? The Lord is going to deal with all that. It's called the coming day of the Lord where He's going to punish all evil. He's going to make things right. And Peter here, he talks about, he basically, I'm summarizing verses 6 and 7. He says, hey, scoffers are going to come in the last days, and they're going to say, you seriously believe that Jesus is coming again? You seriously believe that this day of the Lord is coming where God's going to judge the earth? And then Peter in verse 6, he says, hey, hey, scoffers, remember the flood back in Noah's day when the world was messed up with sin and evil and how the Lord destroyed the earth and destroyed the ungodly with the flood? Yeah, hey, the Lord's going to do that again, except He's going to do it this time with fire. And He's going to judge all the ungodly, all of the wickedness, all of the evil here on earth. So Peter's basically saying, God's a just judge. He's going to deal with all the evil. And he calls the coming day of the Lord uh, a day of judgment. Look at verse 5. He says, For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Okay, that's Noah's Ark, flood. Verse 7, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So this is another characteristic that describes the day of the Lord. Judgment of the ungodly. Hebrews 9.27 says, just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Jesus again said in Matthew chapter 12, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Bad day for the unsaved. Now listen, let me just tell you, if you don't want to experience God's wrath and God's judgment... Hey, he provided a way called Jesus. And he said, if you trust in my son Jesus, the way of escape, just like he provided a boat for Noah and his family, he provided Jesus so that you place your faith and trust in him. You hop on this boat called Jesus. You repent, turn from your sin, trust in Jesus. Hey, you don't have to experience God's judgment. God's judgment and God's wrath, the Bible says, is reserved for those who choose to willfully, by their own will, rebel from the Lord, not put their faith and trust in Jesus. This is the coming day of the Lord. Secondly, Peter's, or I guess this is one, two, three, four. Fourthly, the coming day of the Lord is described by Peter saying the current heaven and earth are actually going to be destroyed. The current heaven and earth are going to be destroyed. He mentions this in verse 7. He mentioned this in verse 10 and in verse 12. He says that the current heaven and earth are going to be destroyed by fire. And the Bible speaks about this. And then he says, finally, that the coming day of the Lord also describes a time when the current heaven and earth are destroyed, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and it will be filled with righteousness. Okay, this is where the people who have placed their faith and trust in Christ will live for all of eternity. A place filled with God's righteousness in this new heaven and new earth. And the Bible talks about this. How this pre present earth is going to be burned and destroyed by fire. The present heaven is going to be destroyed, the Lord says. And He's going to 
actually create this new abode where his followers will live. And this is what the Bible says, Isaiah 65, 17. It says, look, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former, the former earth and heaven shall not be remembered or come to mind. John actually had a vision of this in Revelation 21. In Revelation 21, 1, it says, John says, then I, he, he sees a vision. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first, first earth had passed away. So this is Peter's main theme here. Hey, welcome to Young Adults tonight. Great day. Talk about the day of the Lord. But when we go through the Bible, we talk about these different things. The coming day of the Lord, this is Peter's main theme here. And as I mentioned in verses 3 and verse 4, he says, But listen, about this, the coming day of the Lord where Jesus is going to come, He's going to come like a thief, God is going to judge all the evil and do away with this earth. There will be people in the last days that will hear this list and will hear about the coming day of the Lord and they're going to scoff, they're going to mock it, they're going to say, do you seriously believe that Jesus is coming again? you seriously believe that this is going to happen? And Peter says that the, the people, they basically say, listen, it, it's been so long. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus was last here. It's been so long. Do you really think that Jesus is coming again? And this is what I love. Peter responds here. He says in verse 8, after addressing the scoffers, in verse 8 he says, But beloved, don't forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. In verse 15 he says, And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Peter basically says, listen, the scoffers might think, man, it's been such a long time since Jesus was last here. You really believe Jesus is coming again? Peter says, listen, the reason that God is waiting so long to bring the coming, of the, day, the coming day of the Lord to pass is because He is patient and wants everyone to come to know Him as their Savior. He says the reason that Peter uses the word long-suffering here basically just means patience. God is patient because He doesn't want anyone to die in their sins. The Lord doesn't look forward to the day where He has to judge all of the people who haven't accepted His Son Jesus. He is putting it off until everyone that He has foreknown is going to accept Him. He's putting it off because He is patient and long-suffering. And He wants everyone to come to know Jesus as their Savior. Maybe the Lord is waiting for you. Maybe tonight you'd say, Austin, I don't have that personal relationship with Jesus. Listen, the Lord is putting off this day of judgment because He is waiting for you to be in right relationship with Him. Man, aren't you glad, for those of you who have trusted in Christ, aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come back before you got right with Him? Man, I always, I'm frustrated. God, you're waiting way too long. Let's go. Come back for your church. Come back for your people. Let's go. But then it comes to mind, man, I'm glad the Lord waited for me. Man, I'm really glad the Lord exercised that patience for me till I put my faith and trust in Jesus. So Peter says, the only reason God is waiting so long is because He's waiting for you. If you don't know Jesus, He is waiting for you because He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to know Him. And then Peter also says, but you have to keep in mind that a thousand years to us is like only a day to God. We just read it. All right, God is outside of time. We have to remember that. 
So when time goes by and it's been like a thousand years, okay, God being outside of time, not constricted to time, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord, Peter says. So you have to keep that in mind. You have to remember that. That time is all about perspective. Time is all about perspective. A, a good general principle is that God keeps His promises according to His own chronology. And listen to me on this one, okay? If you are here and you are single and you would love to be in a relationship, you would love to be married, and you are like, Lord, why is it taking so long? Where is that perfect person that I've been praying for and I've been waiting for? Okay, a good general principle is that God is going to keep His promises according to His own chronology. And man, I am so thankful that in my life, when I've asked God for something, that He has not delivered because it would have been a mess. But the Lord is faithful in keeping His promises, Peter said. But it's according to His timetable. So wait. You've been waiting for that job. Trust the Lord. He has a perfect timetable for your life. He's going to work it all out. And so Peter says here, He's going to work out the timetable of the world. Everything is in His hands. Time is all about perspective. So here's Peter's main message here. Basically, Peter is saying, listen, church... God isn't slow in keeping His promises. Jesus is coming again. So we as the church, we need to be ready and we need to be faithful. Jesus is coming again. God will keep His promises. He is not slow as we might perceive Him to be. So we as the church, we need to be ready and we need to be faithful. So how can we stay grounded? The first way is we need to continue to grow. The second way we stay grounded is we discern through the Word, the third ingredient that Peter says, listen, this is how you stay grounded in the faith, is preparedness. The third ingredient, preparedness. Peter says, with all this in mind, church, be prepared. Be ready. We need to be ready and prepared that Jesus could come back at any moment. He's going to come back like a thief in the night when we least expected. Expect it. So Peter says, so church, you've got to be ready. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you prepared? Because being prepared for Christ, for Christ's return, will compel us toward two things. A life prepared for Christ's return is a life that, number one, will live in holiness, and number two, live with urgency. When we are prepared for Jesus' return to come at any moment, and you better believe it's going to happen, Peter says, because he's not slow. He keeps his promises. Jesus is coming again. A life that is lived prepared for Christ's return is a life that lives with holiness and with urgency. And Peter mentions these two things. In verse 11 and verse 14, he talks about when you're prepared for Jesus to come back at any moment, you're going to live a life that's holy and pleasing to Him. He says in verse 11, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should be living. And in verse 14 he says, so dear friends, beloved, while you're waiting for these things to happen, Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. Peter says, while you're waiting, live lives of holiness. Now, why should the thought of Jesus coming back at any moment compel us to live lives of holiness? Let me put it to you this way. In all the, in all the movies uh, where you've got like a, a high schooler or a teenager, all right, and, and this isn't just the movies, okay? I know that this was some of you maybe pre-Christ, pre christ pre Coming to the Lord, you heathens, you. All right, in all the movies, when, when, a, when a, a parent, the parents would say, 
uh, hey, hey, boys and girls, hey, Johnny, Sue, hey, we're going we're gonna to leave, we're going to go out of town, make sure nothing bad happens, all right? Just take care of the house. What inevitably always happens? They always have a house party, that's right. There's always a party. All right, mom and dad are gone. Invite all the friends, let's go. Let's have a party. And then in all the movies, this is what always happens. Oh, mom or dad, they forgot something. They got to go back home. Oh, mom says, oh, I forgot my brush. I got to go back home. Dad says, oh, I forgot my laptop. Got to go get it. And so mom and dad are coming back home. And then the, 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 the kids find out and they say, everybody out. Mom and dad are coming home. They clean up the house. They clean up their act. Because why? They want to present themselves to mom and dad as these perfect kids who are obedient, not getting any trouble. This is what being prepared for the day of the Lord is going to be like. I remember when I was, I was like 10 years old, and I, I said, hey, Dad, can you give me a haircut? And he was like, listen, I'm, I got stuff to do. I'll give you a haircut tomorrow. Just wait. And I was like, come on. Like, I just want a haircut, Dad. Like, it only take 10 minutes. Just give me a quick buzz, and let's move on. He said, I'll give it to you tomorrow. So I couldn't wait. So what I did was I got uh, his razor. Uh, and not like the electric razor, like razor blades. And I just was like, listen, I'll just give my, myself a quick trim. So I just started using the razor blade to give myself a haircut. And I was like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Like, I can't cover this up. He's going to know because it was awful. It literally looked like someone came and asked their dog to mow the lawn or something. It was just all choppy and chewed up. And so I put, put the hat on and, and dad was coming back into his bathroom because I had used his bathroom to do it. Mistake. And so I had to clean up all the hair off real quick off the ground and throw it away and everything. And because I, I didn't want dad to know, I wanted to look like I was obedient, I was patient, I was waiting for dad to come back. This is what Peter is saying. He's basically saying, listen, dad is going to come back at any moment. So let it compel you to live a life of holiness that honors and pleases the Lord. Jesus could come back at any moment. So be ready and live a life that pleases the Lord. Now, I'm not saying like, hey, just fake it and act like you're obeying the Lord. Okay, because the Lord knows. The Lord knows what you're up to even now. So it doesn't mean just, just fake it all right, and, and, and act like everything's fine. Okay, it means genuinely live for the Lord. Live a life that pleases the Lord because you never know when He's going to come back. And then secondly, live a life with urgency. Now, why does being prepared for the Lord's coming compel us to live lives with urgency? Because of these, uh, these uh, few reasons. When you know that Jesus is coming back, when you know that Jesus is coming again, it will compel you to live a life of urgency. I'm not talking about out of control and, and like a nut. Right? I'm talking about being under the control of the Holy Spirit. But when you know Jesus is coming again, it will compel you to live a life of urgency specifically with sharing the gospel message. Listen, if I were to tell you your mom isn't saved and Jesus is coming back tomorrow, what would you be doing right now? I wouldn't be here. I'd be at home sharing the gospel with my mom. If there was a fire in your neighborhood and you knew about it, but no one else did, what would you be doing? I'd be going around to the neighborhood, knocking on every door, letting them know there's imminent danger, but there is a way of escape. It's the same way. When we are prepared that the Lord can return at any moment, it gives us, it fans into flame this fire of urgency. I'm going to share the gospel with people I come in contact because I don't know when Jesus is coming back. And the way to escape God's judgment and His wrath is to be found in Jesus Christ. 
to have a relationship with Him. So it compels us to live lives of urgency, preparedness. It's a way that we stay grounded in our faith is when we're prepared, when we're ready. Because it will lead to lives of holiness for us individually, and it will compel us to live with urgency in sharing the gospel. Be prepared. So I want to close by encouraging two different sets of people here. I want to, I want to close by first talking to those who you would say, I am not saved, I do not have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you believe in Jesus, you, have a, you believe that God exists, but you haven't given your life to Jesus. I want to encourage you, I want to plead with you because I love you, that today is the day of salvation and you don't have to experience the coming day of the Lord and the judgment that the Bible speaks about because the Lord is a just God, a just judge who will punish the evil that we see here on earth, including our own sin. I want to compel you and plead with you to get right with the Lord tonight. Get right with the Lord. Make Him your Lord and Savior. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And the way you get to my Heavenly Father is when you come to me. Give your life to the Lord. The second group of people I want to talk to is the believers tonight. Those who are saved. But maybe, and I, I fall into this category plenty of times. When I can be just so distracted by the cares of the world... Or just so caught up in the different distractions and worries of the world that I forget that here on earth it's only temporary. Right, the challenges you're going through, I don't mean to minimize those, but they're only temporary. Someone just die? <laughs> I hope you're safe, whoever that was. Those of you who maybe are just, you're caught up in the different distractions of your environment, the challenges that you're going through. They're only temporary. And Jesus says, listen, there is a day where I am coming for you. I am coming for the church. I am coming again to save you from God's just judgment and His wrath. And, and this is for me too. I just basically, for the believers in the house tonight, I just want to wake us up. I just want to wake us up. Know that Jesus is coming again. This is not our home. And the day of the Lord can be a scary thing for those who don't know Jesus, but the day of the Lord is an exciting time for the believer who knows Jesus as their Savior. Because God is going to take us from this really messed up, corrupt world, and He is going to create a new home for us as people who have trusted in Jesus. So let me encourage you tonight as believers, be ready be prepared, be excited, be stoked, be urgent in your sharing the gospel with people because Jesus doesn't want anyone to perish. But be ready because Jesus said this in Matthew 24, Stay awake, for you don't know on what day your Lord's coming. In Luke 21, He said, Stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place to stand before the Son of Man. And then in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul said, Be watchful, Stand firm in the faith and be strong. How can we be rooted in our faith? Grow, discern, and prepare. Grow, discern, and prepare. So for the believers, be on guard, be watching, be waiting. 
For the Lord's return can happen at any moment. Be excited and be ready. Live with holiness. Live with urgency. And let's go. Let's be excited. And live in such a way that pleases the Lord while we're here, while we're here on earth. For the Lord could come at any moment. I'm excited for that time. And I hope that you are too. But are you ready? Are you ready? Let's pray. Lord, I just do want to pray for those two different types of people. I want to pray for the unbeliever, Lord, who doesn't know You. I pray that right now You would work in their hearts, Lord. That You would do something new and fresh, Lord, where they would, they would see and believe the truth of Scripture here, Lord. And that they would place their faith and trust in You. Even today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So work in their hearts, Lord. For the believers who maybe are becoming lazy in their faith, or maybe they're just becoming overwhelmed by the different challenges of life, Lord. May You just use this Bible study as a reminder that You are coming again for Your people. That You are coming for us. So may we then live in holiness. May we live lives that please You. May we live surrendered lives, Lord, knowing that You could come at any moment. So I want to be ready. I want to be prepared. And may we then also live with urgency, Lord. May we share the Gospel because Your Word says... You don't want anyone to perish, but you want everyone to come into a personal relationship with your Son. So may we live with that urgency. May you give us boldness, Lord, to share the faith with other people. And I pray for my brothers and sisters tonight, Lord, that you would help us to be grounded in our faith, Lord. Help us to continue to grow. Help us to discern, Lord, to know the Word. And help us to pre prepare and be ready, Lord. Help us to be ready for that day when you come. We love you, God. Thank you for this time where we got to get to just read your word and fellowship, Lord. I pray for um, the rest of our week, Lord. Be with us. Strengthen us and fill us with your spirit, Lord. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.